Hello and welcome to the Sound on Sound People and Music Industry podcast. I'm Sam Engels and in this series of episodes I'm talking to some of the people who've been nominated at the 2023 MPG Awards and this morning I'm delighted to be joined by Daniel Moyler. Hello Daniel. Hi Sam, you right? I'm very well, how are you? Yeah, I'm okay, thanks. Excellent. Well, you're no stranger to the MPG Awards, or indeed to awards in general. You won Recording Engineer of the Year in 2020. Uh, following you, you won a Grammy for your work with Dua Lipa. Mm. Uh, what's the secret? <laughs> <laughs> I think probably just surround yourself with people that are better than you <laughs> and uh, and then go along with it. Um, yeah, I don't know if there is a secret. I, I wish I knew it, cause, yeah, but there you go. <laughs> Well, this year you're nominated as Breakthrough Producer of the Year. So does mm. this reflect a sort of deliberate change in your career path or is, it, is that just happenstance? I think it is, um, I think it's kind of happened quite naturally. Most things that I'm nominated for this year are kind of extensions of of either my mixing work or my engineering work. So stuff where I've kind of like been in the room and uh, just someone needs to finish the track, <laughs> like basically, or or stuff that you get sent to mix where it's not it's not quite there for whatever reason, um, and uh, you end up kind of embellishing it. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I think it's probably been a natural progression in that sense. So tell us a little bit about your career to date, because obviously you've got a very impressive track record as an engineer. Uh, how did that come about? I mean, I, I kind of started a, like a very traditional route, which is becoming less less of an avenue, I guess, now. I, I, I literally started working on night reception at Psalm Studios when it was still in Basing Street and uh, and kind of like managed to like weasel my way into assisting position from there um and and just kind of gradually just yeah just kind of worked up and then I guess there was a so yeah Psalm closed down and everyone kind of moved on and I started kind of freelancing which was kind of amazing actually to be kicked into that world um and just kind of forging good relationships with producers and and mixers I started doing like mix assistant stuff as well um and uh and yeah i guess here we are well some i mean some studios basing street obviously has like an amazing heritage i think it was the original island record studios wasn't it yeah 100 percent. they've they've got um they've got bob marley's hot tub still there upstairs in the flat or probably not now because it's been redeveloped into luxury apartments but yeah the history in that place is amazing and the space is incredible it was it was a really I feel quite lucky to have like started and started learning there and using those spaces. Um, yeah, special place. You must have worked on some pretty memorable projects there as well. Well, I was pretty green when I was there, <laughs> to be honest. But there was some, yeah, there was some, there was some great stuff. And you, also, you just had really random stuff like Nico McBrain from Iron Maiden would just turn up one night, and you'd have to mic up his like you know, 50 toms or whatever, ready for the session in the morning. It was just kind of like, and then you get, you know, really young One Direction were in, like when they hadn't even 
they'd done nothing. They're just like hanging around playing pool. Like so you get you get this kind of like random eclectic like stuff that only a only a building, only a studio like that kind of attracts, I guess. So when you think of Sam, obviously you think of Trevor Horn, was he a sort mm. of mentor to you? Um I, w- I wouldn't go that far. I suppose I kind of worked on more of like the external projects. Um but I mean obviously he's there and he like kind of shapes the that everything that kind of comes out of that studio is like you know the people were, were attracted to it because of Trevor and because of those amazing records that he made. And then you, you got thrown into the sort of freelance world. Um, yeah. I imagine you didn't perhaps feel quite ready, but that must be pretty, pretty scary. Yeah, but then you're right. But then I know people that have gone into freelancing much later in their career, and I think that's possibly even scarier. Because um, you're you've become you've kind of sat around in an institution having a great time, and now you're now you're kicked out. So, yeah, like I say, I was quite I was quite pleased to do that, and I started assisting mix engineer called Rory Cushnan, um, which was great. And we we did like Mumford and Sons and Ed Sheeran records and um, all kinds of stuff like that, um, and and then slowly started forging relationships with producers, like I say, like uh, Cam Blackwood who I still work with today, um, and Joel Potter is another one. And then that's where the kind of engineering kind of built up and built up, I guess. So these days, when it comes to engineering, are you doing more tracking or are you mostly a mix engineer? It's a bit of everything, to be fair. This year has been a lot of mixing so far. Um, and I'm about to start tracking with a band called Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes. So that'll be the first kind of like full album tracking session that I've done this year, but um, there's also yeah, there's lots of lots of good stuff coming out that we were working on last year. There's an Olivia Dean record I got to be a part of, the new Ben Howard record got to be a part of that last year. So I feel quite fortunate in that sense. But I suppose, like we were saying, there's been this natural progression towards mixing and towards kind of production bits, which is a new new thing for me and yeah it's exciting and do you feel that you get sort of pushed into working with a particular genre you, th- there's a tendency for producers to kind of get pigeonholed as the person who does uh, I don't know roots music or something or, do, or yeah. do you manage to do you manage to retain a kind of wide portfolio of styles that you do I think I feel really fortunate that so far it seems to be quite diverse and I like that. I like that I can be working with a punk band one day and then I can be in doing like proper pop vocals the next day. It kind of keeps it exciting for me. But in answer to your question, I, I've i noticed that I, I've gravitated towards maybe pop music that still uses a more like traditional instrumentation, if that makes sense. Like my kind of skill set as an engineer naturally recording bands in live situations string sections whatever um has transferred in that way because a lot of bedroom producers don't know how to record a string section <laughs> like you know and, and, and neither should they because they're amazing at like working ableton which i'm not and so a lot of like acoustic based music a lot of band based music has been um what I've gravitated towards, I guess. So, yeah. 
And do you have to put a lot of work into consciously keeping your skills up to date as the industry changes? Um, oh, that's a good question. I feel like it's I put more effort into keeping my tastes up to date and keeping like a brace of like new music and trying to find stuff that excites me that's that's coming out. Um, because a lot of the stuff kind of stays the same <laughs> technology-wise, I think. It doesn't move that rapidly. Um, but mu but music itself does, and that's exciting, and that's, that's more exciting for me to, to stay on top of that. And one thing that's changed in your life in the last year is new studio. Which is, is great. So it took, yeah, it took, um, it's, it's, it's part of a, a complex in, in Broccoli, and uh, there's some great people in here. Toby Tripp's next door, Johnny Breakwell, Kerry Willits, um, Star Smith. There's, so there's a nice little collection of people down here. And that is, I, I love that basically. I love being around kind of like a busy environment. I think uh, uh, working in a home studio environment has, ha, has its challenges for me. It doesn't, it doesn't kind of tick my boxes. I need to, I get very bored very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> and if you're mostly mixing it can be a pretty lonely business oh totally yeah totally so the ability to just pop out have a cup of tea grab a, f a friend in to listen to a mix and, and realize it needs more work you know that that it, that plays into it um, some of us don't need friends to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah but it, it's nice yeah it's a, it's a good little setup Excellent. And tell us a little bit then about the projects that you've been nominated for this year. Cool. Um, so uh, there's a George Ezra track um, called Don't Give Up, which um, we I was working pretty closely with Joel Pott, who's his kind of writer-producer. Um, on that project, I, I engineered the project, and this one track kind of just uh, presented itself as needing a bit more programming and a bit more work to kind of like get it over the line. So I took that one on board. It's just really great to be a, a part of that project. He's such a sound guy, such a good, a good guy that, yeah, so that was a good one. Then there's, um, uh, Koala, another great band that kind of started off as like a bit of vocal production, just helping them finish that, but then kind of escalated um it's a it's a it's a great track and then the guy jack savaretti can't forget jack I've, I've worked on two records with him so i was mixing a bunch of stuff for his europeana record and there are a few tracks that just presented themselves as needing a bit more work uh, they already sounded great <laughs> but um apparently they needed to be taken in a slightly different direction so I was able to do that on that as well. So, yeah. So that must require quite a bit of confidence on your part to go back to people and say, look, this track you've sent me to mix, you know, mm. I really think this could do with some congas or whatever it is that you're <laughs> proposing to add. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I think, so I suppose in that sense with Jack's record, I engineered the whole record as well. We went to Abbey Road for a couple of weeks to do that. And, um, and working with Cam Blackwood, really tightly on that on, on various other projects 
it was not me that presented it as needing extra work. I was like, this, you know, this sounds great. But I think uh, what the record company wanted and uh, kind of just needed that that bit more. <laughs> so, yeah. I would never I would never say that of anyone's work. If someone says me something to mix, I'm like, this is brilliant. Otherwise you wouldn't have sent it out to be mixed. Like I think there's a I have the acceptance there's something good here. There's something generally brilliant that's exciting. So yeah. So do you never get a mixed project in where you, you're really struggling to make it good and you think that and that's not a mix issue, that's a production or a tracking issue or an arrangement issue? Yeah, definitely. There are some some certain occasions where you end up fighting against elements that are kind of out of your control as a mixer. But then even in that instance, I think it's my job to go, the vision that the producer and the artist had is in this track and, and that is what is most important. So whether it doesn't sound like perfect or correct is is irrelevant because their creative output is is and the song is the is the key thing and that's the most important thing and that i guess is the key difference if there is one between being an engineer and being a producer is when you're a producer and you're credited as producer it's your vision that's on the line not someone else's yeah totally totally um yeah 100 (laughs) percent So um, it's been amazing to talk to you. Thanks, thanks for your time, Daniel. But I mean, no if we want to hear your your vision as a producer, in is there anything coming up that you can talk about? There's lots of mixes coming out, which um, is really exciting. So there's an album, band called Sea Fret, coming up, and an artist called Banners that's that's coming up, and that's yeah, that's really exciting. I suppose production wise, um, there's an amazing artist called Lexi Carroll who I was able to help finish one of her songs, Eden, which is going to come out soon. Um, she's brilliant. So go and listen Go and listen to Lexi anyway. She's great. Awesome. Well, thanks very much, Daniel. It's been great to meet you. Nice and to meet you too. Best of luck oh, at cheers. the awards. Thank you for listening. And be sure to check out the show notes page for this episode, where you'll find further information along with web links and details of all the other episodes. And just before you go, let me point you to the soundonsound.com forward slash podcasts website page where you can explore what's playing on our other channels. (laughs) 